0: Welcome. We are back in John's Gospel this week. If you missed Natalie Williams' talk on God's heart for the poor last week, please go and listen. She is amazing and spoke so well to us. But today we are in John chapter 9, verses 1 to 41. And what we're going to do is read a section, unpack it a little bit, and then read the next section. How I would personally, very often do a Bible study. So we're going to do that together over the next 25 minutes. We are looking at the sixth of the seven signs or miracles of Jesus that John records in order to get us to look at Jesus and ask, who is this man? So... John chapter 9, verse 1. Here we go. As he went along, Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him, or the glory of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, others said, no, he only looks like the man. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. Before we get into this passage, just notice a few things in there. This kind of sending that comes throughout the whole passage. We need to remember, friends, that we are a sent people. We are a missionary people. Jesus here reminds us he has been sent by the Father. He sends the man to wash his eyes out. The place that he sends him is called sent. Do you get the theme here? Remember John is trying to teach us what it means to live life to the full. And living life to the full, friends, means being a sent people, being an incarnational people, being a missional people people we follow the one who was sent by the father to make a way for us to the father so we are sent to call people to Jesus who shows people the way to the father do you get it remember friends mission is not something we do it's who we are trying to understand scripture without a context of mission is like trying to program your skybox with your dishwasher instructions. It just doesn't work. No, mission is the context. We are a sent people. That's not in my notes. It just came to me as I was reading. So let's get into these notes. As we've mentioned before, when looking at John's gospel, Before we get into the reasons behind the healing, let's rejoice in the healing itself. A man is born blind. He has never been able to see. When he encounters Jesus, he doesn't see him, he just hears him. This man with this physical infirmity, this blindness, has been separated from his family and has been condemned to a life of begging until Jesus sees him. This little detail is easily missed. Beggars, people living on the streets, the poor are often invisible to us. Clearly this man has become invisible to some people. Even those who lived around him, when they see him walking and being able to see I'm not quite sure it's him. And yet they've walked past him every day and yet they don't recognize him. Why? Because they've started to miss him. How easily that can be true of us. How easily that can be true of me. I just don't see people in need. I'm challenged by that. And yet Jesus, with all that is on his mind, with Jerusalem and the cross ahead of him, sees this man and stops and gives him time. The disciples don't see him, or at least not as a person worthy of compassion or help. No, to them, he is a theological conundrum. A chance to have a debate about sin. It's almost as if they've already decided that blindness is a result of sin. And now they just want to know whose sin? Was it the parent's sin or was it the man's sin? I now mean, it sounds a bit weird, isn't it? He's been blind from birth, so did he sin in the womb? But the bigger thing is they've got into this formula. They've bought into a formula, a structure about illness. Sin means sickness. Therefore, someone's sick, they must have sinned. Now we know that all brokenness in the world lies in original sin. When the devil deceives Adam and Eve, the world is broken. It goes from being very good in Genesis chapter 2 to being broken in Genesis chapter 3. So at one level, all brokenness, including sickness, (coughs) excuse me, I need to pause. Hmm. So at one level, all sickness is about sin, but that's not what they're saying here. They are getting formulaic. They are saying, this person has sinned, therefore they are sick. And in effect, what they're doing is they're protecting themselves. Does that make sense? Okay? This person is blind, Ah, they're blind because they've sinned. Sin leads to sickness. Oh, I am not blind, therefore I haven't committed that sin, therefore I'm a bit better than they are. And that makes me feel a bit more secure. This is the trouble with formulas. They are horrible. <laughs> As ever, Jesus has not got time for uncompassionate religious This is not the time for theological debate. This is a moment for the glory and power of God to be revealed. We must be very careful here that we do not create formulas where Jesus is trying to break them. Jesus is not saying this man was blinded by God so that God could then heal him. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, no, in this moment, the glory of God, the peace of God, the power of God is going to break into this man's life. This sickness is not caused by God, but it is an an opportunity for God to break in. We do not have time to go into a whole theology of healing, nor is that the intention of John in recording this passage. However, we can be reminded that whenever we come up against a formula about healing, it will always be wrong. Whenever we hear someone say that person has not got well because, or that person is sick because, whenever you hear that, friends, you know it's not from God. In in the mystery of God, we pray for healing and see people healed. We pray for people and sometimes they're not healed. Anybody who wraps that up for you in a little formulaic bow is not right. Scripture is more nuanced than that. God is more mysterious than that. Jesus sees this man and has compassion. Jesus speaks to this man. This man does not see Jesus, but he is obedient to Jesus. He believes Jesus. Possibly there's a little hint here of what John will say later in his gospel, blessed are those who believe and have not seen when he talks to Thomas. Possibly. I like to think it is there, but it's a bit nuanced. But what we do know is that G- this man is totally obedient. We can assume that the Paul was close enough for the man to get there safely, but far enough away that by the time he'd come back, Jesus had gone. Let's not miss the wonderful, simple obedience of the man and then his testimony to his friends. This is a great example of powerful witnessing that all of us can do. Remember? Mission is our context. We are a sent people. What does this man do? He listens to Jesus. He is obedient to what Jesus tells him to do and then he answers his friend's questions simply without pretending that he knows more than he does. That is great witnessing. You meet Jesus, you listen to Jesus, you testify to Jesus. If someone asks you a question you don't know the answer to, you say, I don't know. And you wait for another question. What a wonderful guy. <laughs> Let's move on. These friends brought him to the, Pharise- brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day that he'd been healed was the Sabbath. He is a prophet. See the disciples were not alone in thinking that sin led to sickness directly. It was a widely held belief. It was also common practice to consult the Pharisees and the scribes, men of learning, for medical advice. In the Old Testament, we're told to to go to the priest to see whether you've been healed. Jesus instructs a man to do that elsewhere in the Gospel. Therefore, it's a natural response of this man's friends to take him to the temple. He can now step into the temple because he's no longer blind. Remember, sickness, result of sin. Sin makes you unclean. You can't go into the temple. Now he can see, so he can go with them. Yet again, the very people who should have recognized Jesus as the one promised in Scripture get stuck in their religious pride. Hang on, you may be confused here. How has Jesus broken the Sabbath this time? Well, it's not the healing. It was permissible to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus points that out in another debate. But all work was forbidden. And one of the acts of work forbidding, forbidden on the Sabbath was to knead your dough or form something with your hands. Yep, you've guessed it. When Jesus spat in the dust and formed mud, he was kneading and creating and therefore he was breaking the Sabbath. He was working on the Sabbath. Now you won't find that in the books of the law. No, this was an add-on. The the Pharisees had created 613 commands around the law to keep people safe and this was one of those. It wasn't even a biblical command, it was a traditional command. And now this becomes the focus of their debate. Did he break the Sabbath or didn't he? If he broke the Sabbath he's a sinner. If he's a sinner how did he do this sign? Well if he did the sign he can't be a sinner. They are having this discussion around this man who's like, looking around himself, go wow, this is what the temple looks like. Their religiosity, their debate, means they miss the miracle. Their trouble is that the man in front of them can clearly see. (laughs) He's been healed. Ah, they think. Maybe he wasn't blind in the first place. Get his mum and dad. And so that's what they do. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. So they sent for his man's, the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Parents answer, we know he is our son and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Some of the Pharisees and the scribes missed the miracle because of religious pride. His parents missed the miracle and therefore missed Jesus because of fear. They were afraid. They can testify he's their son. They're happy to go on, he was blind and clearly he can now see. But they won't give glory to God They miss out on Jesus because they're afraid what other people will say and what other people will do. What about you? What about me? Now, it's easy to judge them. But they're not just talking about missing church. To be put out of the synagogue wasn't just, oh, you can't go to church. No, it was to be alienated from your community. The synagogue represented your gathering, represented the focus of your community, your friends, your family, your neighbours, your good name, your reputation. Ah, that's a bit of a bigger deal, isn't it? If it's just about missing church, well, we miss church sometimes, but if it's about being on the outside, on the edge, what do we do then? Do we get fearful? Making a stand about that, would that put us on the outside? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. So they call the man again. A second time, it says, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they say. I mean, that's sneaky, isn't it? (laughs) They're not kind of telling him he's a liar, but they're kind of going, but God's listening. Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. It seems like they've won the debate. We know Jesus is a sinner because we've decided he broke the Sabbath by making some mud. And sinners can't do this. So come on, he can't have done what you say he's done. God bless the man who honours Jesus. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. I'm not going to get involved in this debate that's clearly above my pay grade, he says. What what wisdom? I wish that we all did that sometimes. But he says this, one thing I do know, this morning I was blind and now I can see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They still can't grasp it. He answers, a little bit exasperated, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are his, this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. See what they're doing? They're stepping back into No, we have some religious security here. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Well, they do, actually. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. It's almost as if this man has begun to understand as he's been listening to the debate. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. See, they're going back to their formula. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. See again, the Pharisees, at least most of them, the vocal majority here, are trapped in their religious binds. They can't get in their head. They can't step out of their structures to see Jesus, even though this miracle has been performed. They resort to their judgmental formula. And what his parents were fearful of now happens to the man himself. Says they threw him out. The Greek construction here. S- relates back to when the parents said they were fearful of being put outside the synagogue. These Pharisees and scribes have declared this man a sinner outside of the people. He was outside the people in the morning because he was blind. Now he's outside because he can see. And so we get to the final part of our passage with Jesus. Jesus. Jesus heard they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What are we blind to? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. We started the passage with Jesus seeking out this man and seeing him. And that's where we finish. Jesus goes and finds him. Jesus seeks him. does not say the man sought out Jesus. The man leaves the temple just like, this is amazing. And Jesus goes and finds him. The imagery is powerful. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. On hearing that this man has been put out of his community, Jesus goes and finds him and welcomes him into the new community. This man who started the morning separate, was in for a moment and then cast out, is received by Jesus, is welcomed by Jesus. Jesus asked him the question, do you believe in the Son of God? The Son of Man is another title for the Messiah. Yet again, Jesus makes space for simple faith. Do you believe? Yes, I believe, says the man. Welcome, says Jesus. That's the only formula Jesus ever uses. Do you believe? Welcome. That's a great formula, isn't it? Jesus, who will later state he's not come to judge the world, says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, he says in John 12, I do not judge that person. Here he says, for judgment I've come into this world. Jesus is not saying I've come to judge. Jesus more says, you've got to make a judgment about me. That's what the Pharisees and the scribes had to do, wasn't it? They were presented with this miracle. They were presented with this man. He was blind and now he can see. They had to make a judgment. They made the wrong judgment about Jesus and they judged the man. Jesus saves the man, heals the man, that he can make the right judgment about Jesus. The Pharisees were spiritually blinded by the fact they thought they understood. And they could not move from that. This man who understood, he didn't understand, receives with faith. This is the gospel. This man with simple faith receives both physical healing and spiritual healing. So in summary, what do we learn? Well, we learn that Jesus pays special attention to those on the edge. Do we? We learn that God is a God who heals and we mustn't get formulaic. We learn that simple faith based on obedience is incredibly powerful. We learn that we can just share our faith simply by answering the questions that people have. And we learn that we must always be on our guard for religious pride, which can mean we think we see when actually we're blind. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your compassion for this man and your compassion for us. Thank you for the power of your word which challenges us and encourages us to step into deeper and deeper relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.